That you are the creator of everything, Lord Father God. We thank you for purpose, Lord. We thank you that we're able to come and conversate, Lord Father God. I pray that you would just be in this conversation, Lord. I pray that it will inspire us that are a part of this conversation, but it will also inspire and touch the hearts of the people that hear it, Lord Father God. I pray that this conversation will edify and draw people to know you and to know more about you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Welcome to Conversation with H, the panel. This is the, I don't want to just call it the ladies edition, the power ladies edition. This is what I'm going to call it, the power ladies edition. Um, I've got four amazing women of God that we're going to have a couple of discussions today. Um, hopefully they bless you and encourage you and X, Y, and Z. So if we go Esther, Leanne, Selena, then T, if you guys just... Introduce yourselves, give a little brief, you know, intro about what you do, and then we'll go and dive straight into the discussion. Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Esther Bonsi. I am <clears throat> years old, and I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, I work as a project manager in the area of sexual ethics, and I also run an online Christian platform called The Runaway, which helps to bridge the gap between intellectualism and spirituality, as well as helping those that run away from the faith to come back home by having challenging conversations with church leaders. My name's Leanne Jacobs. I am just turned 30. Woo! Very happy about that. Thank the Lord. Um, I'm a youth worker. Um, it's what I know. It's what I, I live every day. Um, and I also um, do some work for the church as well. Overseeing like, churches among the nation. For the church got a Prophecy UK. Um, and yeah, I'm just someone who loves to bring people together. I love to talk as well. So it's right up my street, this. <laughs> I'm Selena Stone. I'm 32 and quite proud of that, actually. Um, I, my interest is in political activism. So my first kind of work was in community organising, grassroots activism. I'm now a lecturer in political theology because I'm also a geek and I love reading. Um, so really interested in social justice from Christian perspectives. Um, understanding what our faith and what the gospel has to say about social injustice and those kinds of things. Hi everyone, I am Tia Rodriguez. So my passion and my heart is young people. And to be fair, people in general, just to see them kind of be the best of their ability and supporting them to get to that point. So um, I teach in a college. Um, so I teach um, supported learning services supported learning subjects for um, students who have additional needs, as well as um, I am the co-founder of an organisation called Found UK, and I do a lot of youth work in church and outside of church as well. Excellent. So these are the power ladies that we have with us for the discussion today. So kind of a quick question, just to kind of, you know, warm everyone up. How's everyone been coping during, you know, lockdown and COVID-19? How, like, what's been happening? How have you been coping? We need the hairdressers open, please. Yes, we do. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Well, apart from that, how has it been? Like, <laughs> apart from that, how has it been? To be honest, it's been it's been good. Um, I was working from home for about a month and a half, and then I was put on furlough. And I said, God, I've been waiting my whole life to get paid 
not to work. So this is just awesome. <laughs> um, so that was cool. Got to spend time with my family um, and do a lot of cool stuff. It was also a lot of bereavement. Mm. So it actually gave me the space to process all of that and go through that. Because if I'd have been working as normal, not sure what that would have looked like. Um, however, over the last couple of weeks, it's been a bit of a struggle. And mentally, there's been a big attack on my mind in particular. Um, and so, yeah, it, most of it's been good. But there have been moments where I've been like, God, please, man, just open a shop so I can just go to a shop or something. Mm been difficult but we're still here still here I feel the same like it's definitely been a roller coaster I feel like the first couple of months I was really into it and I was like yeah I can do lots of writing I don't have to go to London I can just live my best life in Birmingham and the last month I'm just feeling like I need to go somewhere please so it's been really it's been a roller coaster really but I feel like I'm trying to make the most of the the stillness mm. As the end was saying, catching up with yourself, and when you're busy running around, you're not processing your feelings all the time, or like being attentive to what's happening within yourself. So it's been a good time for just catching up with that stuff, really. Mm. Definitely, I would agree. Definitely a roller coaster. I'm an introvert, so I love being by myself. But there were moments because I'm I'm also studying um, counselling for my masters, mm. so we have have had to do a lot of online lectures, which was like a bit this like always on on the screen and then just that uncertainty of what's going to happen as well I don't like being in limbo so that kind of left me in a place of like what is life so I really had to actively put things in place like going for a walk or just like rejigging my routine and stuff like that but I've enjoyed it as Leanne said I love being at home and being able to still get paid um that that's the way forward for me (laughs) 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 what's gonna happen then what's gonna happen after this what I was a bit unsure about but yeah it's been good um I think the lockdown has been interesting I don't think I fully processed it if I'm honest I think that's been very busy for me in terms of work and other things that I'm working on as well I don't think I fully processed it but um I think the greatest maybe lesson I've learned through the lockdown so far is how much I'm out of tune with myself, how out of tune I am with myself Mm. in terms of I can really get into tasks. So when I get into a task, my mind, everything goes into that. My dreams, everything is just focused on the task. Sometimes I don't necessarily hear the small voices in my head that might be saying, hey, Esther, stop. Or hey, Esther, how are you feeling today? Kind of thing. So I've been killing the spirit of Kim. And the spirit of Kim stands for keep it moving. So I'm a keep it moving kind of person. I'm like, oh, that hurt. Okay, let's keep it moving. Oh, okay, let's keep it moving. But you can't keep it moving because you're faced with yourself every single day. So yeah, I'm, I'm fighting against Kim at the moment. So yeah. Fighting Kim, you know. Yeah. That is not a person, by the way. If you just joined and just started watching it from here, Kim is not a person. Kim is keeping <laughs> moving. Um, I think, especially during lockdown, what's happened is a lot of us have had time and space where we wouldn't have had before because we would have just been busy, just trying to pack up those days just to be like, okay, if I'm like, for example, Selena, if I'm in London from this day to this day, let me try and do X, Y, Z while I'm here. And then I'll go back to Brom or wherever I'm going to go. Um, but then it means we've got more time to see things and be involved in things which we wouldn't have done, which would have passed us by previously. Okay. Um, one of the things that has happened is obviously the, the, the murder of George Floyd. There's been other, you know, murders of other black people within America in the space of a couple of weeks prior to that. You've got Breonna Taylor, you've got Armored Aubrey, you've got those things happening. But George Floyd seemed to be a kind of a tipping point 
of a lot of things, especially with it being during lockdown and, and stuff like that. So, Selena, I want to go to you first. What do you feel the George Floyd killing has brought to light within society, which we didn't see on a mass before, but also within the church, which we didn't see on a mass mm-hmm. before? I mean, I feel like black people have been knowing about this all along. Mm. Um, and we've, we've always known about the violence against black people in America, particularly. And we've like, we've seen the videos, we know the names of the people. I think what's different has been that the white majority seems to have really like noticed this time. Mm. Um, and I think some of it is that we've all been at home online a lot. So we're actually, whereas you could just ignore it before, just go on with your day and not process it. Now you're like, you've seen the video and you, it's come across your timeline lots in one day. So lots of white people who would not have normally taken an interest, I think I've been forced to see. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why. I think that people have watched the video. I haven't watched it because I, I really could not take watching it. Um, but I know people who watched it and really been shocked at what's happened. And um, because they've seen that the whole duration of the eight minutes, 46 seconds of a man dying on camera. Mm. And that's not what we've seen before. It's been kind of like an incident happened with police and people can easily say, well, what happened? We don't really know for sure. But when there's a video filming the whole incident, no one can deny the facts of what's happened. And I think it's forced people to really begin to react and say, well, how do I feel about this in my body as a human being, mm. let alone a Christian, and to have to respond? I hear that. Um... Esther, would you say that we as Christians have kind of responded as you would have expected or has it been different or does it kind of depend on the individual? I think, I can't speak on behalf of all Christians, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think generally speaking on a general perspective from the church background that I am from specifically, I think that we've found it very challenging to respond. Mm. I think that there's been a lot of political responses as well, where some people felt like they had to speak out because it was the hot topic. Um, and a lot of Christians, surprisingly to me, um, as someone just like Selena, who's really passionate about social justice, a lot of Christians didn't know how to respond or what the church's responsibility was in responding to it. But I'm really encouraged by the fact that there's kind of open dialogue with church leaders from different denominations, different parts of church and so forth. And it's really starting to confront the kind of elephant in the room. So yeah, I think it's God's doing his thing through it for the church, definitely. Do you do you think, um, and this is open to everyone, do you kind of think that with lockdown happening, COVID-19, and then you've kind of had us as Christians as a kind of generalization, had to react to George Floyd, the kingdom of George Floyd, Do you think there's now been a shift in terms of where we were prior to lockdown um, and how we were, you know, manoeuvring, going about our Sundays, going to church, yeah, 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 worship, worship. Now so much has happened prior to us getting into the building. Now we've had to kind of operate in in a much different way. Do you think that it's been a shift in terms of, okay, now we need to kind of not be serious, but for want of a better word, kind of get serious about what we're doing? Everyone's head just turned to the side, like. (laughs) So loads of heads just. I'm processing the question. Yeah. Can you give us a bit more? Um, So 
I can talk, but I wanted to wait if someone else wanted to. Oh, <laughs> nah, Celine, if you go, so then hopefully it'll, it'll okay. open and up. And then people can stew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was going to say that I just think that, like, time will tell if it's really made a difference. Like, I feel like when you're in the moment, we hope that it makes a difference. Yeah. We hope that everybody sees this and now is not going to go back to the default. Yeah. But only, we'll only know in, a, in a six months to a year's time, even 18 months' time, we'll see who's really taken this to heart and where the, where the fruit is of what's happened now in churches across the board. Because I think for a long time, church leaders have felt like, and, and Christians as well, mm. that you don't have to worry about politics as a Christian. You could just go to church, have your service, have your service, collect the offering, do your worship team thing and then go home. Mm. And suddenly these issues, you can't just ignore them anymore. And we should never have done that. But I think we've kind of gotten away with it. We've kind of, to compartmentalize human life so we can just deal with the spiritual things at church. And I don't think, I don't think that's how young people live. And most of us, if we're honest, don't live like that. But I don't think we've, we've acted like that in church spaces. And I think now we have to. I think for me, what looking at people's reactions and hearing people's stories is how much trauma and traumatic things that people have actually experienced and I think before people even start trying to get serious or not get serious or whatever, there's a lot of work that people have to do with themselves and what the things that they've been through, which I think is so, so important before we start trying to do anything. Because I had this conversation with someone, all we're going to do is just move out of anger and move out of hate and do things out of these rather than doing it from a place of love mm. and where Christ or how Christ would want us to do it. So... And that's why I was processing the question because I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> um, for me, I was challenged by two things. I had a young person contact me and they were like, Leanne, oh my gosh, I've seen all this stuff. You know, we need to be marching down the street, singing X, Y, and Z and doing X, Y, and Z. And at that time, I felt a little bit guilty because I didn't know how to respond. And I have a personal response. I have also the responsibility as a leader to respond or consider that. I felt a bit pressured to respond quickly, but that's not how I operate as a human mm. being. Um, so I needed time to take it in, to think, to pray, and just to just listen for a little bit instead of just reacting. Mm. Um, and so this person, they're not even that young actually, they're about 23. Um, I said to them that everyone has a responsibility to react, but it looks different. Mm or respond, it looks different to everyone. So I may not feel comfortable going to the march. However, there's gonna be certain things that I am standing for, the certain conversations I'm carrying to um, levels of influence that they may not be able to get to. So everyone plays their part. And I think once I understood that, I felt a bit more at peace about how to respond. I also, and I hope Esther doesn't mind, I also saw a video, because um, there was a session that Esther did that I wasn't able to mm. attend. And it, it challenged me because, and I'm going to be very careful how I... This is not Esther's words. These are my words. Esther's right there, so she could just... It's true, it's Sometimes the way a lot, I've heard some people respond, you take on that, as Tia said, that hate. Mm. Sometimes I've heard aggression. I've heard... And I understand some of it is through trauma, but we're Christians first. And so... That made me think, I don't have to rush to respond. Am I still going to stand with people that are doing their thing? A hundred percent. Am I when I see injustice and I'm able to 
um, impact that for the better and in a positive way, 100%. But am I just going to copy because I feel like I should, as a church leader, respond? No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be cussing down every white person because I've heard a lot of that as well. It's not how we should be doing things because that's, I don't believe that's showing the heart of God. That's not love. And in essence, that's what we say we're about. So even when we are downtrodden and beaten up, and X, Y, and Z, and whatever, we still hold, we've subscribed to that lifestyle of being Christians. So we've got to do that in everything. And sometimes it's okay to wait to make sure that you respond mm. properly. And I think relating it back to the question in some way, um, the church just needs to, it's okay to step back and talk to the people that know um, and get some counsel on how to reply in a way that represents God first, but also the people that have been affected mm. by it. And I'm not sure um, if when we go back to church and everything's kind of the new normal, I don't know if we'd have lost all of that, whatever we're learning in that se- in this mm. season. I don't know if we'll just lose it because everything goes back to being easy again. Mm. Um, so I definitely haven't answered the question, but those are no, my that's thoughts perfect. That's, on, that's um, perfect. on what you said. Um, I think for me, I look back at Mark Duggan in 2011, mm. um, where everyone reacted and responded and all these youth organisations popped up and there was all this new funding and stuff. And it lasted for a while. And then the same funds, budgets got cut, the organisations disappeared. And because it wasn't the popular thing anymore, mm. uh, you moved on from that. Um, so I'm not sure if society as a whole is just trending with this topic. Um, or if it's really our heart's desire to really see the changes that we say that we want to see. But I think in terms of like the church, you're going to have some people that are just going to go with whatever is popular at the moment. But a lot of church leaders are going to be thinking about finance as soon as this COVID thing is um, unearthed and how they pay their bills and so forth and so forth. And I'm hoping as, as they're trying, and they should do, because at the end of the day, you know, the lights in the church need to be paid for. But as they're thinking about these things, I do hope they keep the social justice element um, in front of their eldership in front of the church. But I think something that Dr. Bedford has been saying in some of the meetings that I've been attending is that I think the church needs to decolonize the scriptures. We need to decolonize our way of preaching the gospel and so forth, because a lot of the reason why a lot of Christians don't know what to do is because of the way that we've been taught the text. talk the text in such a passive way um as though you know when something happens in society all of us have been taught just pray just fast and god will do something from the sky and move something and he will raise up a moses of some sort but no one actually sees themselves as that moses or is equipped with the knowledge of how to actually bring systemic change so i think there's a lot of education that the church needs to do before it moves because you can't move like one thing i've been saying to a lot of people is that you can't fix something unless you know how and what is broken yeah. and i think a lot of churches don't necessarily know what is broken, but they don't know the context of how it's been broken and they're not sure of the context of how it can be fixed. So I think in terms of responding, I think there's a lot of education that needs to happen. People need to go back to school and educate themselves. And then we need to like actually have a strategy as to how we're going to raise up kingdom activists to go out and change the various spheres of influence. But I'm not sure if the church is thinking on that steed or if the church is just thinking about multiculturalism in the church. The solution is so different depending on the perspective you're facing it from Mm. but i do hope that the communities are changed by the church that's my that's my greatest desire to see the communities changed so yeah one of my fears and one of the things i've been seeing a lot of is people put in the the movement or the protest or whatever's happening at the time in front of christ um that's been my biggest fear and it's been something that I've watched happen in certain circumstances 
where people have said, I'm going to this protest and I'm going to do this. Okay, cool. But you ain't picked up your Bible in however long or you haven't spoken to God or you haven't done this just to find out where you should be in that moment in time. You've just done it because you've seen a hashtag and you said, here's my sign. Here's what I need to do. And my fear has been building up activists who put the movement before Christ because that's not what we're built on. We're not built on the, the movement at the time. We're built on Christ. So how do we continue? And it's kind of back to Esther's point of education. How do we continue to push the message of Christ in this whole thing rather than getting lost in the movement at the time? I mean, I think I want to say, first of all, that like sometimes when we talk about politics and justice stuff, and our role in it, we kind of talk as if we categorize ourselves. Mm. Like I'm Christian, I'm then a woman or black, or and then the other one second. And I don't see myself like that. And I don't think God sees us categorizing that mm. way. Like I am a black woman who's been saved by grace in all of myself. I'm not categorizing, there's kind of like oh, the wholeness of who I am has been saved by grace. So I don't think that God is like, are you being the Christian now or the black person now or the woman Got now? Like, I'm all who I am at all times. Holistically. In the way that Christ was fully God and fully man at all times. Mm. He wasn't God then and, and human now. It's kind of all in one. So I don't think that I'm less of a Christian if I'm at a Black Lives Matter march yeah. or that I'm categorizing my blackness more than my Christianity because I believe in Jesus the Liberator mm. who said in his own words, he's come to free the oppressed. So for me, like that kind of push towards justice is consistent with the Christ that I say I'm following. And I think the way that we, we hold justice and, and our faith together when we understand Jesus as not just this kind of spiritual being, but as a human man who lived on earth, who was like a poor Jewish man living under Roman occupation, who resisted principalities and powers. Those are like tangible political forces, not just spiritual powers. And he was resisting the, the, the worldliness that was around him and the structures of his day. So I think we can see that as Christians following this same Jesus, we have a call on yeah. us to resist the kingdom of the world, to resist these evil, unjust forces. And it's, in, it's, in, it's kind of a core part of our Christianity that we see that as part of our mission in the world, that we don't just think that our mission is just to have a church service, but it's about being salt and light in all of those ways. Anyone else? Anyone want to drop at the back of that? Can you re? Can you tell me this question again? Sorry. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. I was that annoying child in class that would ask the same question four times. So yeah. Sorry. Um. Basically, in the short, short and long of it is long and short, short and long, long and short of it is. Um, how do we make sure we're we're continuing to push the message of Christ and not get lost in a movement that essentially is not always biblically focused or biblically built upon. That's the, that's the long and short question. Okay. I think, I'm not sure if this answer answers the question, but I would agree with Selena in the sense of, I don't think we should be, I don't think we should be categorizing it in okay. ways in terms of, oh, Christian reading Bible protests in Christian protest Bible. I think that, um, if someone is moved about something that's happening in society, mm -hmm. 
build allies and in that in that allyship there's going to be things that you agree on and there's going to be things that you don't agree on um and i think it's really important as christians to learn to work with organizations that we may not necessarily 100% agree on so for example i was part of this feeding program through covid and we worked with like a lot of sikh organizations that provided a lot of the food now obviously they're sikhs we're christians we believe in completely opposing things but one thing that we united together is that we 100% believe in um in eradicating poverty and we believe in provide everyone should have a, a warm meal per day that's like our core value so it was building that allyship as in we disagree on all these things but we can agree on on this aspect so i think it's how christians navigate themselves in a world um where there's going to be people that say they're even christians that still have theological differences mm. from us um just because we're christians doesn't mean we have the same theological belief systems or anything like that but if we can join together to say right we believe in standing up for the oppressed we believe in stopping human trafficking for example then we work our resources together being clear on what we agree on and clear on what we don't agree on and being clear in the boundaries in which we operate because of our belief system mm -hmm. so i think christians just have to have that that christ-centricness in mind in their minds um as well as remember that no matter if it's a sikh or it's a buddhist whatever they are the image of god they are the imago day so you treat that person in that in that way that's that's how i answer that question i think also i would add what's important is your relationship that you have with christ um and that it's not a sometime thing but you have an active relationship with christ um that you understand what the message of christ is and what the message that you're trying to get to people as well um, in terms of, if you don't know, then I think it's easy to kind of separate, well, I'm Christian here, but I'm this person here, or I'm not here. And, and I think it's easy to do that when you don't have a continuous conversation or revelation or all of that stuff daily, momentarily, and all of that, because self can come into it. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned before, when, I, when I've spoken to people, I hear a lot of hate, I, I hear a lot of pain and and I get where it comes from, but that can't feel that can't be the foundation of why you're doing something or where you're going with it or what that outcome is. Um and sometimes you really just have to stop and be like, how do I feel about it? What am I doing? Is this what Christ would want? Is this how I should react? Is or is it me? And it's not a bad thing to get angry or to get upset or to get to express these. There's nothing wrong with expressing these things at all. But if that's all you're doing and it, there's no outcome or it's not in a Christ-like way, then it, it is a problem because you're moving people and you're steering people to the wrong place that we need to. And for me, the focus is always to steer people towards Christ. Mm. Liam? No? No. Okay. So what can we do next? What can we as individuals do next in our particular walks of life? In in wherever we stand, where whatever kind of roles we hold, what can we do next? And you might want to speak from an individual perspective and say, I can do this or I can do that, rather than saying, Oh, we as individuals can do this. So what do you so let me rephrase the question because I'm talking a lot. What can you as an individual do next in regards to this? I, sh I struggle with this question and just speaking from a personal perspective. Mm. Because, and please, like, if anyone disagrees, please disagree with me. I'm so open. 
what I'm about to say is a bit controversial, but I struggle with how we can be Christians and not be moved by social justice. Like I, I can't separate the two. They are almost like the one. So when Christians, or when I'm on can a I, panel... Can I ask a question? Can I ask please. a question? To kind of... Sorry, uh, poly- <laughs> 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 um, Are you kind of saying us as Christians separate social justice and being a Christian? Is that what you kind of... Are you saying that we do that? I just find it... And like, please, anyone, just cut me at any point. I, this is just a struggle that I, Estabonsi, have. Yeah. And I'm be stoned for it. But I just struggle with how people read the scriptures, read, mm. see this amazing man, Jesus, and all the things that he does for community, for society, against politics, all these things. And then we don't know what to do next. I just mm. struggle with it. I'm like, how? Like, it's a lifestyle. It's not, a, like, for me, my Christianity being lived out to fight social justice is a lifestyle. It's like, I fight the injustices that are in front of me every single day, um, whether that's at work and confronting racism or it's at work confronting someone not being paid what they, what they ought to be paid or whatever. It's like the micro, as some people may call it, the micro injustices that I see. Mm. So it becomes a lifestyle, so it becomes normal to me. So then when something big happens, it's natural for me to be moved because my faith is my worldview of how I should operate and maneuver in the world. So I just feel like, I feel like, I don't even know how to answer that question. I feel like it's like, read the Bible. I don't know, maybe I'm nah, wrong. And this is, like, and this is, oh, Karen's Leo. I was gonna say, I totally understand everything you said, Esther. And also, I, but I do think it's like, cause I've been thinking about this, all the different levels at which stuff needs to be done. Cause for me, I think about, there's like the grassroots caring for people in the immediate, so right now I feel so relieved that Leanne and Tia are here and they're working with young people. Because I've been like having palpitations thinking about all these young people in Birmingham and like, how are we going to care for them? I don't have to worry about that anymore. Okay, God's got it covered. Then I've got to think about, okay, how do we build like political strategies for our institutions, for churches to work with people of other faiths or whoever to get stuff done for the most vulnerable. Then I'm thinking about like economics and like, am I investing my money in banks that are exploiting Africa or the Caribbean? Because Black Lives Matter there. So it's like, I'm having to like almost do an inventory of my whole life and say, if I say Black Lives Matter, how am I showing that they matter with my life and choices? In the work that I do, in the people that I write about in my books, in the people that I quote, in my theology, in like the students that I teach, in the time that I prioritize for certain things, like how am I living a life where the poor and the vulnerable matter? And I think that's something that we have to figure out wherever we are. Is like, as you said, Esther, like whatever where, where job you're at, who's getting paid? Who's getting expected to work for nothing? Are they getting paid the living wage? Are they working full-time and still can't feed their kids? Or is someone speaking up for them? So I think wherever we are, we have to be happy. We have to have our eyes open at all times and let the Spirit speaking to us at all times and opposing those things are against God's will for his children. I love, I just love that. I love what you just said. And I just, like, co-sign partly because I can't think of a better way to say it, um, but I completely co-sign what you've said because you said it so perfectly. Um, I do think like something that Esther said earlier was about educating. I think people have not maybe had the confidence and know that it's okay. There's a way to do, but it's okay to confront. We don't like that word. It's okay to confront some of these issues and be confident. 
and you know seek advice on how you can play your part everyone has a part to play and it looks very different but encouraging people and letting them know like that young person that um rang me that day i said did you vote let's just start there because you want to go march down the road and that's fine but there's more there's things closer to home that you can be doing to ensure that your black life matters in your immediate community so let's start there ways that you can be impacting the things that are going to affect you like your education mm. and you know x y and z and i just think it's about people believing in that confidence again that i can make a difference even if it is small it's better you do that small and everyone's doing their small it creates a big change so but yeah in, in essence i love what Celina said like every decision we make we can be making a step closer to standing up for what we believe is right but i have a question i know i know i'm not the interview nah, bring it here. bring it in sunday's live with lee as, as you guys were talking and um, particularly around like pay and you know social justice in, in every way what about the injustices in church how do we <laughs> how do we look outside and say that everybody else is you know unjust and doing x y and z but actually there's a lot of it in church and i suppose there's only going to be certain people that stand for that kind of thing so I'm asking, do you guys think it's there? And if it is there, like, w- what do we do? What do we do about it? Can I say something before? <laughs> um, justice and injustice is like a massive thing for me. Like, it really just, like, does something and it just provokes a lot for me. Um, and I don't know what it is, um, but it always has. Um, and I think the reason why people don't speak up and they don't do things until loads of people are doing something because it's a trend or whatever is because their limitations that they see within themselves. So a lot of people don't feel like they have a voice or they can speak or they can say whatever. And wherever that belief has come from, it's a belief that a lot of people believe in, whether they're in church or they're not in church. So for me, I wouldn't say I challenge people, but if it doesn't sit right, I will always ask the question or question things or be curious about things. And I see a lot of people who don't do that. And again, whether that's in church or at work or wherever it may be, because people just don't feel like they can. Or I hear a lot of things of, well, this is how it's always been, or this this is just the way church is, or this is just the way the world is. But for me, it always bothers me because I'm just like, but that doesn't feel right. And this shouldn't be happening and that can't happen and, and stuff like that. And I think that's one of the things in terms of um, everything that's going on at the moment, in terms of the injustice with um, around black people and black lives. But there's so much other injustices that we face on a daily basis. And what are we doing about that? Um, yeah, so that's what I just wanted to add. Um, I don't feel like enough people speak up about things and a lot of people just go with the motions and go with, goes with, go with the flows. But I think it's because of belief in them. And, and that's even in, in leaders as well, that they don't believe that they can make a difference. So what about injustices in church? Do you want to tackle that? Do you want to... I, I, have no, I don't mind. You take it, Esther, then I take it. You go. <laughs> Um, yeah, there is an abuse of power, mm. uh, a 
practice power in some church contexts and so forth. And that's what I mean by decolonizing the church. A lot of our belief systems and how the congregation relates to leadership or those that are being put over them um, kind of reflects that of which took place in slavery and so forth. Um, and a lot of the scriptures have been used to silence, to mute, to manipulate people, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, some things may have just been inherent. It's just what has been preached from years and years ago that we keep passing down from generation to generation. But I do believe that voices do need to rise up in churches and ask questions like Tia said um if you have if you can't ask your pastor a question and he does and he starts shouting or throwing you out or preaching on you you need to question why you're in that church because for me when I see Jesus how many times did the disciples ask but are you sure you're the Messiah are you sure you're the one but Jesus wasn't cussing them and reminding them touch not God's not anointed nor do no prophets no harm he was actually responding back to them like hey guys like how long have you walked with me and you still don't know this but I still got grace for you I still got patience we're gonna walk this out and I think a lot of leaders are lacking that level of humility mm. but I think that I love COVID-19 not the not the disease but the time that we're having right now because it's causing people to think why are they giving power over freely to church leaders or to any leaders um in terms of their way of life, whether they think and so forth, without actually being submitted to the word of God. So if you're in a if you're in an abusive church, on a place that you can't ask questions, you're in a church where you're not growing spiritually, leave. Like your destiny is not attached to a church building. And even that kind of preaching and that kind of doctrine has been sold. Like I remember people used to say, Oh, don't go down, don't leave the church and go to another church because you might you don't know what spirit you might catch there. It's just like, where are you guys getting this like stuff from? It's not in the text and it's not in the scripture. So I think people need to take responsibility for themselves. At the end of the day, you're gonna give an account for your own your own faith before Father. So yeah, I think that we can blame churches, but then also those people that are sitting there week in, week out, know that something's wrong, but don't do nothing about it, are just equally to blame as well. So, yeah. I want to say amen to Sister Esther. And also um, that I do wonder whether some of the reluctance churches have for, for speaking up around these justice issues. Is they're scared that guys are going to start looking around in their own comments? Mm. Like, I do think some churches just think, this social justice thing, let me not get on this on this thing because by the time I turn around, people's going to be coming into my church talking to me about women and all these other groups of people who's not getting to do this and that other, other, and people don't want it. So I think people hope that if they don't engage with that conversation about abuses of power, that it's not going to come to their door. But unfortunately, this 2020, nobody can hide from accountability with these issues. And especially for us who are younger people who are in our 30s and 20s, like, we're not playing around with this stuff anymore. Abuse of power, we've seen it happen. We've seen people experience abuse in church and it get covered up. We've seen people abuse their positions and they're still there on the rushroom. And the, and the woman who's been mistreated is kicked out of at the back. We've seen it all our lives. So we, if we kind of... Anyway, let me stop No, could, don't, no, finish your point. You better finish your point, Selena. All of our lives and we've had enough. And the hypocrisy, the problem is we've read, we've read about Jesus, you see. This is the problem we've read about Jesus and we actually believe in him. Like we actually believe that Jesus is the son of God and we see how he treated women and other groups of people. So we can't, when we can't see the match between the Jesus and people that's calling his name, it's a problem. And that's where the credibility of churches has, has dissipated because people have walked out the door because they said, you're preaching this Jesus, but the way that you treated this person, the two things ain't matching. I'm just going to collect Alfred right now, if anyone wants to sell. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm passionate wow. about this because what I, what I see is people who walked away from their faith because of this stuff, and this is why it gets to me, because it's not about what we prefer and our rules and regulations. It's people's faith in Jesus on the line. 
Yeah. And I don't want to stand before God and say, because of how I treated somebody, they thought Jesus hated them. I don't want to have to tell Jesus that. Ooh, I felt that my whole body, you know. Wow. I don't want to have that conversation with Jesus. So I'm going to just let you stay by God's grace. And whatever he's doing with you, let him do it. I'm not going to make judgment. I'm not going to call you nothing. I'm not going to sit you at the back of anywhere. God forbid. Because I should be at the back. I should, we should all be at the back. You at the back. We should all be at the back. No. We're crazy. Do you know what I think is um, really interesting that there's so many people in our generation who are, oh, God, be careful how I say this. Um, so I really feel that at the moment, God has been speaking to me about pushing younger people into leadership um, within my, my organization. So there's a certain number that I see that I want to push for the pastor to be accountable of training each year so this year it should have been 20 because it's going to be 2020 but obviously things have gone a different way but each year like i know that my assignment for the next 12 months for example is to ensure that the church is accountable for all of our youth pastors because they are pastors we like to, anyway let me not do that you know our youth pastors um to be uh, training for their licenses because what they are doing is pastoring young people and the youth leader role sometimes makes um people feel like they're they're under what they're doing is really important and i say that to say that unless people like ourselves and other youngish people step into these influential um places roles in our churches the stuff that you just mentioned Celine, is going to happen continuously it's us that are going to make the changes it's us that are fed up it's us that are connected with people that if we don't know something, I can say, yes, I need your help with this. I don't know. Or Selena, I need your help with this. Come and educate us so that we are equipped. With Our generation is different, you know? And I feel like God is really like starting something within certain people so that this stuff stops. Because as you said, I'm not getting up there to be with my Lord and he's asking me questions and I don't have answers. I don't want to do it. I haven't given up a wild life to be living a life that is just substandard. No, I need to be going all out. And I just think that in this time, we're going to see changes. And if people, if these old leaders don't step out, God's going to move them because he has something he has to do. He has to do it fast because look at the world, it's, it's crazy. And so I'm excited because even in the midst of all this uncertainty, what looks like uncertainty, God is still in control and sovereign and he has a plan and he knows what he's doing. And the moment we lose sight of that we get lost but the moment we keep our eyes focused on him we will walk on that water easily because we're believing in and putting our confidence in the one who knows everything so i'm excited but i'm lashed and i'm gonna have a drink now Ooh. <sighs> uh, thank you guys for tuning into conversation with h to the panel this is this is this does not do, i can't go anywhere from here what do you mean thank you guys for tuning in um yeah very yeah
There was no. And I'm trying not to be Bali Bali, but no, but I feel it in my heart. I felt that. Woo. Wow. Oh, that's awful. Lord, I just pray for us in this time, Father. Lord, you know what you're doing by your spirit and we can't see all of it, but I just ask that you would seal it in our hearts. Everything that you're stirring in our hearts, everything that you're stirring in our souls and our spirits, everything that you're speaking to us about, every way that you're expanding us and opening our eyes and giving us revelation, Lord, let it just be held within us. Don't let us lose any of the seeds, Father. Push them deep down in us, Lord, and let it produce much fruit for your kingdom. In all of the different places where we're working, when we're praying and we're thinking and we're working and we're planning, Father, be speaking to us by your spirit. Because you've called us for this time, Lord. You've called us for this time. We know that there's going to be women. Are you still recording? Yep. <laughs> we know that there's going to be women that are. We know because this isn't this isn't about us. We're we're what an assignment, and we know that there's going to be women watching this. Um, and we collectively want to encourage you. In fact, you know what? We want to apologise if you're a woman who's watching this. And you've been ill-treated by some kind of leadership from the church, whether it was intentionally or unintentionally. We apologise. We say sorry. Because the love that Jesus has for you is no different before you did that thing, after you did that thing. It's the same. And many of us have failed because we haven't said things and we've seen things. But that's going to stop. Because from what we've heard, even today, I feel so accountable. My heart is breaking. It's breaking. Because just because it wasn't me, doesn't mean it couldn't have been me. Mm. And what Selena said is key. God loves you so much. He doesn't see you any differently. It's still the apple of his eye. If it was you one, Jesus would have died the same way for you. So we, we apologise. We are sorry. 
we are sorry and we will do our best to continue to fight fight these injustices fight the way people are using their power to abuse people and hurt people and make them feel insignificant and unloved and unvalued and we know that these are lies if it doesn't fall in line with what god says about you is a lie it's a lie so i pray that god will heal whoever's watching who needs to hear this that he just heals your heart and he touches your mind and he reaffirms you in who you are in him not what the pastor said the leader said the bishop said forget all of them is God's opinion of you that means the most. Is God's opinion of you that no matter what's going on with a Black Lives Matter, Indian Lives Matter, it doesn't matter whose lives matter right now, your life matters and God cares about you and the way that you feel is significant and he wants you to know that he loves you and you need to forgive yourself because he already forgave you. And don't think that all church leaders are like that because we are not like that and we are a small percentage of leaders that are not like that. So know that we love you. Know that we are praying for you. Know that this conversation was for you. Oh. Amen.